everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. It's SLGND, presented by the D-Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. This episode begins by examining the night's season best win streak. Six in a row since the Christmas break. How've they done it? Who's had the biggest hand in it? We also discuss the emergence of Brandon Peary, nine points in seven games, back again from the American League. How long will he stay this time? Where will he play? We also break down a variety of lineup issues facing the Knights, including an opportunity for recent waiver claim Valentin Zikov. Plus, Alex Tuck takes over the Golden Knights' scoring lead under the tutelage of veterans Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny. Then we've got your questions in the mailbag. It's SLGND, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now... Here's Dave. Thank you so much, Dan Duva. I am some guy named Dave. Dave Gosher, Shea Nutty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, table for four, corner booth at the great Andiamo restaurant of the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. So through the holidays, um, the Gosher Estates got rid of the Christmas tree right away over the weekend. I know the 90th states, they were done December 26th. Oh. Same here. Packed up. Yeah. Same here. You too? Dan? Toast. Everything. But you think I had a train? Oh, it, <laughs> by, by, by noon on the 26th, all the lights outside, inside, everything down. Uh, Michaela Knighty, uh, your lovely wife, she moves on quick. On to New Year's. Absolutely. And then on to Valentine's Day, as always. Yeah, we had uh, the Gosher Estates. We had the crew there. The staff got rid of everything on uh, over the weekend. So so that's good. At least we have that going for on us. On we anyway. go. Yes, on we go. And Dan, by the sounds of your, you did not have a tree. No. You know, I, the, the extent of the Christmas decorations at Dan's place was uh, a glass jar filled with green and red and gold Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says Christmas like peanut butter cups. There well you done, go. Dan. Well, the uh, the Golden Knights on a heck of a roll there. As we speak right now, their second longest winning streak in team history. They've won six in a row. Speaking of Christmas, all since the Christmas break. And um, they've been able to, to win in some different sorts of ways. But uh, right now, riding their best run of the season, also points in nine in a row. Do I have that right, Dan? Nine in a row, I think. Home record's been great. Um, but a lot of it, Sheriff, and we'll kind of start to, with you. They needed the, the Christmas break, Gerard Gallant talked about, it came at a great time for them, right? They, they were out of gas, managed to get some points in overtime losses leading into it. But they've come back, and they've been a much better team. Not great the last game, the entire game, but they've been able to get results. And the previous five looked more like the the template you saw last year with this team. And, and uh, I think more than anything, you said a rest, recovery, a chance to get their heads right, their legs feeling good. Um, and really, you think about it, nothing has changed. The X is an old. Gerard Glant didn't go in there after Christmas and say, we're going to start doing this on the forecheck and we're going to defend like this. They're executing better. You think about it, there's a couple factors, and I think I talked about this before last game, said really their competes better as a whole. Uh, their execution is there. They're out executing the other team to their game plan. And so those are two huge factors, and when you can do it more consistently, that's when you start winning games, and that's when you go on winning streaks. So those have been the real key factors uh, for the Golden Knights here since Christmas, and whether they needed that break. It, it, I know how we know how tough that road schedule is. Real road heavy. They could kind of see, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Sure, a couple road games after. Got another one coming up beginning of February. But for the most part, 
all the heavy road games are behind them. And I think that's a little bit of weight off the mind as they came through Christmas. They know that, you know what, we're heading into the second half. Everything's in our favor if we can take advantage of it. And so far they have. Since the 1-4 and four start, they're 25-11-4. Only Tampa Bay has a better record in the NHL in that stretch. And that's since the middle of October, right? October 13th. They've been able to turn it around. Gary, what have you seen since Christmas here? How have they been able to do it? Well, everything that Shane just said, but for me, the kind of most promising sign is I think they have lots more to give yet. Like, I don't think that we've seen them. Uh, I've, I've, they've left me wanting a lot. and I, I They've I, done it without their top line. Yes, they've yeah. kind of... If, you know, if that's your top line right now. And the power play. It, I don't think it is their top line No, anymore. and the power play, yeah. you're right. The power and play's been non-existent, it, and, and the Carlson, Marceau, and Smith... They've each got two goals in their last between 10 to 13 games, I believe. Dan brought it up to my attention at the start of uh, the game on Sunday against the Devils when the game started with Statsny, Tuck, and Pacioretty. I'm not sure if it's the first time. We're pretty sure it's the first time they've started a game together. That's a plum that Gallant gives out to the crew he thinks is playing the best. And uh, you know, to me, there's no question right now that that is their their top oh, line. And you know, I, I, it's interesting, uh, Sheriff. You and Dan have both come to this point at different times and and mentioned it to me off air. The duo there. It's not Statsny and Pacioretty. It's Statsny and Tuck. And not that Pacioretty isn't a big piece of what's going on there, but that's sort of, uh, you know, you hear coaches talk now about how they want duos through their lineup. That's the pair that you kind of think might stick together. Well, you, you certainly see it that way now. And I think with Max Pacioretty and I think Brandon Peary, you think of those two players, what are they? They're, they're shooters. Those guys are, are finishers. And Tuck and Stastny play together. You put a guy like that, that complements that duo. And very good. I think Alex Tuck right now, when you look at it, though, he's been good all year. Look at what he did with Cody Eakin. Um, you know, yeah. so, but that said, him and Stastny really have something. And I always wonder, when we go back to the beginning of the year, Dave, and I remember Alex Tuck telling us, and maybe, Dan, you can touch on it, too. We know this. Guys talking. They were both out of the lineup together. And Alex Tuck talked about sitting and watching games with Paul Stastny, a veteran guy who's very cerebral, watches, really understands the game, where to be, uh, little details to it that Alex Tuck said. He'd sit there and he'd go, oh, yeah, that, you know, Give him the puck. This is where I should go on this play. Maybe I should turn this way and break free. Find the hole here. All those little things for a young player like Tuck to learn early have really, I believe, benefited him. We've heard, we heard, we thought it was premature when we first heard Alex Tuck referred to as, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Blake Wheeler light or however you want to say it. That play yesterday on Pacioretty's goal where. First, he draws the penalty. So there's a guy who has basically jumps on his back and he shrugs him off. Then he goes into the corner, and when another defenseman tries to check him, he throws him into the corner and then makes the pass that starts the chain reaction for the goal. Are you getting closer to liking that comparison, Shane? I am. That's the one I. In, in, I made. Oh, the only reason I made the comparison to Wheeler, and there's probably better ones, is just because having played with Blake Wheeler in his rookie season, and I saw a lot of the similarities. Two big guys that really have unbelievable speed. Great hands, great vision. Uh, both can dish, uh, dish the puck. Both can score goals. And, and I'm really seeing that now. And the thing when I think of Blake Wheeler, he went from kind of being a bit of, I don't want to say a perimeter player, but he was a big guy that took a while to understand where he needed to go to the hard areas to play more in straight lines, uh, you know, making his game more of a hard game. And now that he has, he's one of the top scorers in the league. So Alex Tuck, I see doing those same things, understanding certain areas of the game 
that he needs to get to. Uh, little details, whether it's stopping on a puck here, uh, utilizing that reach, utilizing a side. The play Gary just talked about, if you don't continue to move your feet on that play, it's easy you got somebody on you. A lot of tendency for a guy is to stop moving your feet. Keeps it moving because of his size. He's able to fend off that check. Another one comes in, brushes off that. His puck protection is a lot better. So And, and he's still young. He's still going to learn. This is just year two for him. So a lot of promising things and uh, certainly trending in the direction they hoped when they they signed him. You know, it's funny too, Dan, the consistency of Tuck. You know, I, I've said a couple times on TV, he has not gone more than two games in a row. That's this year the big hurdle without next. a point. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been there most nights. And we've now. talked about that f- from another player's standpoint, Jonathan Marcheseau, where now he has gone the last three games without a point, one assist in the last six games. During the winning streak, Jonathan Marcheseau's got one point. Whereas earlier in the season, it was just one other time Marcheseau had gone three games without any points. And you're talking about a guy who seemed to have a point every game last year. It averaged out to just about a point per game. Now, this year, it's Alex Tuck, who is just about a point per game. Leads the team with 33 points, and you have to go back to last November 24th for the last time that someone other than Carlson or Marcheseau led the Knights in scoring. David Perron that day started the game with 19 points. William Carlson had two against the Sharks. Overtime win 5-4. to four. Carlson jumped Perron in the scoring table. 20 points. And since then at least for regular season play. Either Carlson or Marcheseau has shared the team lead in scoring until Tuck took over. Now he's up to 33 points. And Tuck missed the first eight games, eight games of this season, yep. right? With he get injured in the final preseason yep. game. Uh, I want to get in a little bit more, guys, this... I don't want to call it... Let's, you know, the Carlson-Marcheseau-Smith line. Gerard Glant shook it up recently, a couple of weeks ago, right? He flipped the right wings on that line. Uh, it looks like he's going to be forced to shake it up. We're not sure Riley Smith's status, but he left the game in the third period last night against the Devils. Day-to-day. Day-to-day like the rest of us. <laughs> Where do they go with that? Um, Brandon Peary back up. Didn't go back to Chicago long. What do you see in the crystal ball, Gary? Well, I wanted to talk Look, Maybe we'll just sort of sure. encapsulate this as well. I think they have eight forwards right now if you include Peary in that mix scoring that are scoring forwards that you can look at and you can sort of say you know we in put the right these, situation these in guys the right can situations put up these guys can put up points so I think they need to find the ninth guy and maybe it's uh, Valentin Zikoff who hasn't played for them I don't know if it is or not or maybe it's someone they acquire at the trade deadline but like when we, when we were talking a little bit earlier about how good they've been I've been left wanting a little bit, and one of the things I I, I keep going back to the Stanley Cup Final, because that's why you're play, that's why you're doing all this is to get there and and not to struggle in the final. But Washington had three four lines in a Their bunch third of line guys. one one Devontae Stanley Smith Cup. Smith Belly, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. So yeah. so I keep thinking if they're really gonna make a push this year once the postseason comes, they need to have three three. Three lines that can score and a fourth line that can create momentum and also throw a puck in for you once in a while, which they have. I'm fine with the fourth yeah. line as it is. I don't think it can be your third line. I think when you know, I, I think that has happened at stretches this year. And I and if that's your third line, I don't think you're good enough. No disrespect to those guys, but the play does end with them a little too often. So. It, to me, it's how do you jumble those, those, and this is where Shane, you have to lean on him, you know, because which guy can play on his off wing? Like, you know, the other day I said, well, what about these three guys? And someone said to me, well, both those guys are right-hand shots. And I'm like, can he play on his offside? And, and the response was, I don't know. So 
I, you know, I think you have to take those eight guys, find out who the ninth one is going to be. Maybe it's Nosek, maybe it's Zekoff, maybe it's, you know, Carpenter. But, you know, again, I think that you need scoring guys. And you figure that out, and maybe you've got a chance to really create a juggernaut. And the question that we brought up before the recent games, Pacioretty's coming back. You weren't sure what the team would do with Brandon Peary. Now, they decided to send him down. But the conversation was, okay, Peary's going to stay with Stastny and Tuck. Let's just figure. Pacioretty comes back, put him with Cody Eakin, because when those guys were having their most productive stretches of the season, they were with each other. Pacioretty and Eakin, that was part of your second line. Now, Alex Tuck was the third part of that line. Maybe Alex Tuck is the X factor there. But the point is, is this team strongest with the top talent clumped together at the top, or if it's more evenly distributed throughout the lineup? And now, with Riley Smith up in the air, how might that present a new combination that we have yet to see? I yeah. keep I keep wanting to see, for some for whatever reason, Riley Smith with Cody Eakin, and uh, uh, you know obviously Smith has had a real good thing with Carlson, but it, like I, we go back to those duos, I kind of think of you know. It, Carlson and and whoever, whether it's Pacioretty, and then you talk about Tuck and Statsny, and then I think about Eakin and and Smith, and then you know where does Peary fit in there? Where does Marshall fit in there? And then the the, myst- the mystery man, that ninth guy that I think you need you need to find. Am I off base or what have no, you been, what have you been thinking about? Well, I think Peary comes in and I plug him right back where he was. Yeah, with Stastny and Tuck. I would, and then then the shuffle begins. You know, where, where where do you want to plug into there? Do you want to maybe give Nosek a chance up on the right side with Carlson and, and Marcheseau? And as Gary mentioned, you got Eakin, Pacioretty, and Tri Carpenter. That balance certainly balances it out. It does I, for sure. I, I, I don't know yeah. if that's what they'll do because Eakin and Pacioretty looked good together, right? They did. They, yeah. did. they did. And don't forget, Carpenter and Eakin have played together not only on the third line, but they're usually together on the penalty kill. Yeah. So when you talk about duos. At least you'd have some flow there in terms of those two guys being on the ice together in different situations. I just think opportunity is knocking. It's mm-hmm. Brandon Peary, and you know, frankly, like Stastny, and this isn't any disrespect to Peary because Peary does some really good things. Stastny elevates guys; he makes the people around him better. So, if you want to make the mistake of calling Brandon Peary an American leaguer, fine, you know. But if that American leaguer can play with twenty six and produce. Great. I, I just, I'm looking for, I just think it, what a luxury it is to be able to roll those top three out there and know that you're going to create offense with all three. And I don't know if they have it within guys. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, no. Last year they went out and got Tomas Tatar. Yeah. And it didn't really work, you know, the I'd way like they the, envisioned, right? So just to, the Rangers are here tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, Zuccarello, Kevin Hayes, Kreider, those are all guys that at some point in time, uh, Kreider's going to be the most expensive out of those got, got that group because he's got another year in his deal. He's team friendly, I guess four point seven five something like that. Um, but I'd rather make that ad early and give it a little bit of time to 
to, to develop. But again, they're going to look at Zikoff, and maybe he's the answer. There's a reason why uh, they've done the roster jumbling they have. There are some pro scouts in this organization that believe Zikoff can do some good things at the NHL level. You bring up uh, the time element, Gary. I think it's a really important thing when we refer to trade deadline acquisitions. Tatar and Reeves, of course, were the two last season. And even for Reeves, I'm not sure that he really fit until maybe when the postseason was starting. The first yeah. month or so, you're thinking, oh, he's taking too many penalties. Does he know his role here? And now, of course, he's a fan favorite. He's mm-hmm. found his spot here. Of course, it didn't pan out for Tatar. The Knights flip him, get Pacioretty. But then the other element in terms of time, and you bring up Matt Zuccarello among some others with the Rangers. We were talking about it earlier today. Um, you know, the, the, the Post in New York had a story uh, after the 5 nothing Rangers loss against the Coyotes in Arizona that Matt Zuccarello, who is unrestricted after this year has 14 points now he's missed time right with injury but why wait until the deadline trade him now and to your point gary when it's whether it's giving zikov an opportunity or bringing someone in from the outside the more time you have to integrate them and figure out what you have and when you think about ryan carpenter january 5th a year ago was his golden knights debut he was on the roster for about a month they claimed him from San Jose in early December. Team was on that great run. He only got into the lineup because the eight-game winning streak ended on January second. Well, and that's the and that's the Jim Rutherford move, right? Jim Rutherford does not wait until everybody's into the fox hunt. He he goes out there and he gets his pelt early, and then he gives it an opportunity to mesh with his team, and he's had great success doing. On, the, on that same same thread, I want to see Branstrom or Hag. I want to, no. I want to see them for a game I, because that's, uh, Shane's laughing at me. <laughs> I want to see what you I really want to start that wheel, do you? <laughs> They're doing quite fine with yes, their development. Are. Yep, and, and that's th- listen. That is certainly one way to look at it. And if that's the case, then fine. There are D out there, right? The Rangers are gonna they're gonna sell their D. The St. Louis Blues are gonna like, Kings, you know, Kings. The, yeah. Jake yeah. Muzzin is might be the plum of all of all players at the deadline. People are going to... You look at where Tampa is, and if you're in the East, you've got to close that gap. And if you're in the West, you're Calgary, you're San Jose, you're Vegas, you're going, I don't know if we can beat them. It's so close. There's going to be some moves. And already, like, you know, that you hear is Calgary sniffing around Jonathan Quick. You put Jonathan Quick in that net, and all of a sudden the Calgary Flames are a playoff monster, a series monster. Hey, quick reminder, fans, uh, friends, that our uh, podcast brought to you by the Finley Automotive Group, the great people that we deal with, uh, all of us at, at Finley. They're the best, and we appreciate their support. Um, so back to that, Gary. So what do they need? You want to see them add, in some way, scoring forward to round out those top yep. three lines. Last year, they played eight different defensemen in the playoffs. Am I right on that? Eight. Yeah, I think that's right. Which isn't a lot. Yeah. If you think about playing four no. rounds and the can never have too many. Ten is never the, had. Ten, yeah. Ten's the number they always say. It takes right? ten to win the Stanley so, Cup. So, you know, right now with Kyle Miller's status, we don't know. He hasn't played in yeah. three right. weeks or they whatever it is. They said day-to-day, and it's been a right. few weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Merrill's been in. Hunt's been in. Um I think you'd love to see them add somebody of quality back there too, right? I mean, you can't certainly if you're going to go through a deep run, and they hope they can. Um, it's going to be interesting, and, and as long as they keep winning, the more chances of them probably yeah. plugging something in the lineup. And I want to just touch as so we talked about uh, the biggest advantage we maybe talked about about spreading your lineup. Sure, you want goals, but that more than anything that forces the other team's hand. Not many guys have top six D. 
That forces when you've got separated with those uh, Tuck and Stasty and Perry on one line. You got if it's Carlson, Marshall, and if Smith's healthy, and if you had Eakin, Pacioretty, and say Zekoff or whatever. Um, how, how do you defend? That really forces the matchup big time, and that's a huge advantage. Yeah, that, that, that's why I asked Home that question away. about. Oh, either. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter where you are. You just roll. Yeah, that's, it, it, that's why I brought up the issue about you know, do you clump the talent together or do you do you spread it out? And the other, the, the answer I suppose from a player standpoint, if you're say Max Pacioretty, oh my goodness, my name is on the third line. I can't remember the last time in my yeah. NHL career that happened. But Gary, I think you brought this up recently. It's not so much about what line you're on; it's about the minutes. And it may not be him. Maybe Riley. Smith, yeah, sure. Whatever. Whomever it might be, yeah. it, it's it's more about the minutes. And if you're still getting you know five shifts a period, whatever it turns out to be, if you're still getting in those critical situations uh, you know it, it would hard to be and they, complaining. The, and they have a luxury of a fourth line that they can play against the other team's top yep. that's why you hope your players are more interested in being in the third round than whether or not they're on the third line yeah that's you know what i mean because for me and we can have this debate if you get to the conference final your season's a success after that it's kind of you know it's a bit of a roll of the dice i, I know you obviously want to win the Stanley Cup. The more often you get to the conference final, the better chance you have of becoming a cup champion at one point. So if Smith was healthy, let's say he's only going to miss a short period of time, if that's the case. Uh, it, it's What have you not seen, Shane, from that line, him, Carlson, and Marcheseau, that's led to their lack of production? Uh, I'm not ready to give up on them. No. Right now, they, it's it's simple. They're trying to force offense. Yep. They're, they're trying to force it. They're They're getting too cute. Uh, and it's not from lack of trying. Sometimes when you're, it's almost like you're, you're over trying and you're, you're squeezing the stick. You're trying to force plays that aren't there just to get going. And for them, it, you know, they're more of an, an instinctual line that reads off one another really well. They play with quickness. They play with pace. They make great little passes. I think just at times they're looking for too much. And it's not a lack of effort. It's a lack of overthinking right now, I believe. My question to you, Shane, is am I reading too much into the idea? William Carlson last year led the league plus 49, and right now he is even. Yeah. Is I mean, is well, the, they, they need know to be the, better overall. And they know I mean, what comes from the defensive zone. We hear the coaches say that all the time. The offensive production comes from strong defensive yeah. zone play. Certainly, certainly. They need to be better in all areas. This is a line that carried this team last year. They were a dominant line, one of the top lines in the NHL. There's a lot of pressure. And let's. there's also the fact, last year, yeah, they, they teams started to figure them out, but not at the start. This year, they're not coming in and surprising anyone. They're, they're getting the hard matchup. Every game. This is, for me, it's, sorry, Dave. And, no, no, and they're I'm, all new to that role. They're all new to that role of, so this is their first year dealing with it. Yeah. And the only thing I was going to add to it, Gary, is especially earlier when you had Stastny out for 30 games and Pacioretty's missed stints and Tuck missed the first eight. Halla, by the way, Halla, has been out don't for forget a, about a him. couple of months. Right? Like, so every team You'd does their pre Yeah, every team does their pre-scout. And with all those guys kind of missing at different points that we just mentioned, I've got to believe part of it is be hard on that line. Shut them down, and we'll take our chances with the rest. And to be fair to that group, it's possible, and you'd have to go game by game to see it, how often has an opposing team thrown its best defensive resources at Marcia So Carlson and Smith, which then has allowed second line, Pacioretty, Tuck, yeah. Stastny, whomever sure. else, yeah. to then have a better opportunity to produce. And to me, it's very, very simple. I don't know why this group decided that they were going to their zone entries were always going to be a play made just 
outside the blue line or just inside the offensive blue line instead of throwing it over the defense. Because I'll tell you what, when they throw it into the corner, they get it. They're that to me. That's when they're at their best. When they're hungry, they use their speed. They dump it in properly, and then the three of them can the two two of them for sure can fly. They get to that puck just as the D is getting it, and then it's harder. But if you're a defenseman, Shane, and you know that every time you that line's out there, that you know you're going to have to go back into the corner with your back to the rest of the ice to get that puck, doesn't that drive you up the uh, wall? Absolutely. When you got to turn and go, you can't you can't do anything. You're going to draw, take a penalty. Yeah. So, and they've got the speed. They they've got to, but they've got to have better support. They're too they're too wide on their entries. Number one, they're they're not close enough. They're not coming in together. They're trying the you know whether you call it a whole play, but you know it's the tough play. It, it comes down to they're just trying to force. Right yep. now, and they need to simplify their game. Not, not, and not on like the two wide part. To me, it's pretty simple. Like the one guy drives the net uh, on the the. the the puck is on one side, on one wall, and then the guy in the middle needs to drive. Drive right, wide a couple of times. You know? That's going to open up space. Look yeah. at Tuck la, was it last game. Did Him and Pacioretty did two plays the exact same. He drove down the left side, little cross and drop to Pacioretty. Almost had England for a tap in. England got, I still think it was a hook. But mm-hmm. uh, that, and then there was one other play exact same. Little cross and drop, and I think it was Stastny that time driving through to the net trying to find him. Well, the Golden Knights are on a great run, as we said, since Christmas at one in a row, they're going to try and continue it tomorrow night. I know, if Dan. If you listen to us, you'd, they'd sound like they're in yeah, last what's place. Wrong? <laughs> what's wrong? Yeah, they're, 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 we're getting nitpicky yeah, here. You exactly. know, just, it's good to be. You can be, we just be blew, greedy a little bit. Blew 25 minutes that's on changing right. the lines right. of a team that's 17 3 and 3 in yep. their last the 23. Points percentage, Dan, right? 56 points. Yes. So, hey, but that being said, they've got game, the teams that are. They're kind of in the running here. I mean, Calgary plays as we speak. They'll play tonight. So by the time the Golden Knights play tomorrow, they will have played just one more game than Calgary. Winnipeg's got four games in hand. But, you know, I look at it. Those teams, that puts pressure on those teams to continue to, to play well and produce. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, and we always talked about the bottoming out chain of that blowout loss in Calgary, you know, talk about a turning point. It was a huge turning point for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that somewhat coincides with the return of Nate Schmidt and all the things that fall into place because of that. And, and you're right, when, when you look at the, the schedule and how it's played out, in the midst of it, we're thinking, oh, the, the Knights lead the league in road games. It's a condensed schedule. They're playing a lot more often first half of the season. But now that they've made it through, and here that now they've won six straight, and though they do have an upcoming road trip to uh, Winnipeg and Chicago, or the other way around, they still have a tremendously strong schedule in terms of home games and not a lot of uh, games in a condensed period of time. So that's now in their favor. So, Dave, to, to your point, yes, there are teams with games in hand, but I would, you, you would have to think you'd prefer the way the Vegas has done it. You know, you've. You've fought your way through the first half with good success. You're right there at the top of the division with Calgary. And then the schedule is in your favor for the second half of the season. They don't have many long... The only one longer is the February one after the bye. Right? They go, you know, Carolina, the two Florida teams, Detroit, I think is in that mix coming on the way back. Am I right on that, Dan, I think? They play. Come on, Dan, your fact check. Come on, Come on Dan. Dan. Come on, do Sorry, some real-time fact-checking. I, I, I was looking back at the, uh, the, the the starting lineups from the beginning of the season. Oh, there you go. Just to confirm that uh, Pacioretty, Stastny, and Tuck had never started a game together, and having just looked back through the rosters, that's true. That has not happened. There you go. Because remember, Eric Hallow was part of that contingent, not Alex Tuck the first few games. Stastny gets hurt, and then when they come back, you've got 
Pacioretty was, uh, did not play against the Devils when Stastny returned. So the only possible games it could have been were the Rangers and the Blue Jackets, and they did not start either of those games. I said that, so that goes right into my category as a... Uh I got a check. Yeah, that's there right. You, right? You're, you are oh, we don't do that there. anymore. You get a sticker. No. Yeah, we, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, we don't have the Thankfully. fact checking anymore. Gold right. star for Gary. All right. Um, just another. I know we were coming hard on all the lines, but that said, and yes, there Carlson's even can say here, and I'm going to take the last game out of it, but the previous five games, the best they've defended as a team all year long. Uh, I think their their defensive group has been better. I think the forwards have been better. Uh, so that's a key to winning games. They're, they've defended their best games. Well, through this six game winning streak, either than the last one. Those have been their five best, I, I believe, the way they've played. Uh, they've been really good at looking after. cutting. They cut plays off quick. They don't allow teams to get a lot of in-zone pressure. They cut it, turned it around, put it in the forwards' hands, and attacked. Seven goals allowed in the six-game winning streak. Yeah. Now, we should touch on, because we've touched on it when he has not had success this year, Malcolm Subban, right? Three really Ooh. good starts in a row for him. Hey. Columbus, and then L.A., and then yesterday, especially when he had to be great in the third period. At 2 nothing yesterday, and when the second one was a softie for sure, I was like, oh boy, here we go. And I was like worried for him. Was he going to lose his concentration, his, his focus, his confidence, all of those things? And when you're not playing very much, like it's pretty easy for things to go south and you to kind of shrug your shoulders and go well okay it's not going my way today he fought back and he battled and uh um what, what, they were shorthanded for how much how long well the last three minutes last of the three game. Minutes yeah. Of the game. yeah yeah it was great there were plus, six plus, shots on goal during those three minutes yeah. and then the goalie out as well so a lot of that was should have been first just, star dave yep somebody <laughs> messed that up well, <laughs> well the problem is all the shots come in the last five minutes yes, when after, you think it's after uh, maybe already done. picked it we had a hard time <laughs> with the stars and we're, we're busy but uh that said you know and you, you said gary i think that game may go a long way for yeah. him that's that's a good mental hurdle for him to overcome at this point in the season and i wonder the mental aspect of starting at home. He had not started at home all season. The only other home game he had this year was the first game of the season in relief of Flurry. Last year, he was 8-1 and one at home. The only loss he had at T-Mobile Arena was against the Dallas Stars. So he's now 9-1 and one at T-Mobile Arena. I mean, that... that it's got to tell you something. Yeah. You know, you wonder about, you know, Gary, you bring up that second goal. You probably want it back. If you're in a hostile environment, how does a young goaltender overcome that? But with that crowd... I mean, it's, I suppose, uh, easier to, to, to right the ship. The last 843, the shots were 15 nothing for New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of the, some of that's power play, but not all of it. Yeah, just the last three minutes. You know, so uh, the fact he was able to break through, and I, you know, I mentioned a lot on TV because I think it was important. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere, it seems, anymore in this league unless you can you can rely on two goaltenders to have success for you. Yeah. You know, and right, wrong, or indifferent, Subban had not been able to break through his first five starts, didn't get any run support. Didn't get any goal scored for him, but that's changed. But yesterday, he had to be really good after a shaky start. You know, you can make the argument, guys, that first period not great for the Golden Knights. Neither was the third, but they rode a good enough second period to win. Not every game. No. Nitpicking wins. This is the argument I have. Nitpick the wins. Argument with a lot of people. The other team's trying to win, too. And they've got good players. There's going to be pieces of the game the other team grab hold of, right? Every game. But when you can limit them. That game, they gave more than they had previously. 
Every team you play is going to grab pieces of that game. It's how you handle that situation, those moments, and then how you bounce back. So they were able to bounce back with a real strong second period. And then, uh, you know, a little little bit of trouble in the third, and they got their goaltender, which you need. He, hey, he's paid to stop pucks. That's what he did. So they found a way to win it. It took a little more than the previous five, but they won the game, and that's all that matters. As the late, great Pat Burns would say, they are paid to win, too. <laughs> they like to win. I, a little behind the scenes here, talking about the three stars. Ryan Reeves was among the three stars yesterday until... Two penalties late, and we're, we said, well, we can't keep him in there now. <laughs> and we missed Braden McNabb, And we missed Braden McNabb. It's, it's so it's stressful. a lot of pressure. We're trying it's to call easy. a game. We're trying to entertain these I think Gary should region. look after that. I think Never. it Gary and Dan. Yeah, I'm running to the elevator to get down for my other duties at that time. Hey, kudos to Ryan Reeves. We got into the locker room yesterday, and uh, there he was, front and center, sitting in his stall, uh, waiting. If anyone had a question for him about um, his brain cramp, he was he was there and happy to address it and discuss it. So uh, he had a couple of funny one-liners yes. about it too. Now someone someone tweeted at me because I tweeted about it, and they go, "Well, no big deal. They won a one, they won the game. It may have been a little different yeah. had it yeah. resulted in a tying goal and then a loss." A rare occurrence. And I was yes. telling David down this morning. I said I didn't. <laughs> say it on air but i have seen it happen before once i've never seen it before and it was myself <laughs> in, in atlanta i put us down five three i was killing a penalty trying to ice the well you know, at least you're, you're killing the penalty but it doesn't matter a, it, you have little control to put it over the glass into the netting from away. your own end yeah. I just remember the look Bob Hartley, the coach, gave me when I went back. Oh, the look, boy. that was it? Just the oh, look? Oh, well, wow. I'm not going to... He can chirp. Unless Dan's got the bleep going here, yeah. uh, I could tell you exactly what was said. But, what did uh, Brad McCrimmon say to you? Yeah, he was I just kind of laughed. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I like the coach's comment after the game. He just yeah. missed the top four. <laughs> that was great. Again, again, it was after won, a win. Won, right? Two points were in yeah. the bank. Who's paying for this show? Anybody? I, I don't know. We I haven't had a Check out Rock Cattle Company, Gary, you've been there. None of us have. It's uh, located in the heart of Montana. You escape the bright lights and go to Rock Creek Cattle Company right in the heart of Montana. It's uh, 28,000 acres working cattle ranch and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback, uh, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and head to Big Sky, Montana. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. All right, we're going to take a little look ahead here. You uh, were talking. We're talking about what they need, Gary, and the trade deadline is 49 days away. Hard to believe as you sit here uh, in the first week of January. Be interesting to see once the season's over with. And you mentioned we talked about this on the on the TV sets, Gary. Lawless in order. Uh, once you, people might not know this, once you get into the new year, once you get past January 1st, that's the time when you can look to extend your contracts, right? And they've mm-hmm. got some interesting people, and maybe we'll look at the restricted free agents first. And the most interesting case is a guy that was in the same boat a year ago, right? And that's William Carlson, who had a great year and decided when it was all said and done, they couldn't work out a long-term deal, so he took a one-year deal. He's If they don't extend between now and July 1st, he's going to be in the same boat again. How do you... Well, How do you see this role? So there's forward? a pretty inter- interesting wrinkle there. I think what's his cap hit? Is it 5.25 this yeah. year? Yep. I think it is. 500,000 of that is signing bonus. So his the actual number you're working off of is 4.75 cuz if they have they have to qualify him first, yeah. right? So right. they qualify off of that 4.75 and if it goes to arbitration, that's the number that the judge is going to look at. He's going to go, "Well, he scored 
25 goals or 30 goals or whatever it is, and he made this much, okay, I'm going to give him a raise to that. So that that, that was some good stick handling by George McPhee and uh, and uh, Director of Legal Affairs, Hockey Legal Affairs, Andrew Lagerner. That was a, a good move by them. Um, listen, I think it's pretty simple. He scored six the year before. He scored 43 last year. This year, he's going to score 25. 25. So I think somewhere in that mix, you go, he's a 25-goal man. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I think, you know, the six goals is is the red herring now. He's, you know, he's scored 43. Shooting percentage leveled out. He scores 25. And he might get to 30. He might get hot. You never know. Um, and what's the going rate for that? And, and I think George McPhee will pay him. Uh, it, he, McPhee said after this whole thing unfolded last year, he said the player's betting on himself. You know, we made him an offer at a, at a certain number. He thinks he can do more. And if he scores 40, I'll be happy to pay him. So if he scores 25, 27, 28, 30, that's what he is. Now, now we know what William right. Carlson is. I think so. I think it's a lot easier than it was last year. I think you, I think you, you look at the way he skates. And and his physical yeah. shape, his, his compete on the puck and everything. He's yeah. not going to fade though, Plays right? An, no, he's he's, he's not young. He's not a, he's not an effort based skater that could follow off overnight. He's right. you give him six, seven, eight years, you're comfortable. Turns twenty six tomorrow, January eighth. That's there you it. go. And a twenty five goal scorer these days in the NHL. What's that get you? Five a year, five plus a year, five to six, yeah. five to six a year. So if you know, following that reasoning, he's probably going to, you know, might get himself a, a bit of a raise, but he's going to probably fall where he was last summer, only for a, a longer term. Which, yeah. by the way, now you look at that Alex Tuck deal and you see how he's emerged, yep. and he's making under $5 million per year through 2025. Yeah. Talk about a good deal for the Golden Knights. Uh, some of the other guys, just we'll kind of run through them real quick here, but so RFAs, you've got Carlson, uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, Tomas Nosek, Malcolm Subban, Derek Englund. Um, you know, so some you know guys that are certainly at different spots in their careers. Yeah, this is this is con- right? this is mixed up. Uh, it, yeah. it, Belmar, uh, none of those guys. Uh, Subban's an RFA, but England right. and Belmar are UFAs for sure. Right. So, uh, so um, with England, right? It's I see another year. Uh, yeah. I does talk, he, does I he talk, want another year? That, That's I the think first he does. Question. Yeah, okay. I, so, I believe he does. I talked to actually uh, an NHL scout. Uh, Couple games ago, when he, that's one thing he said. He said, you know, Derek England, what is he, 36? He says, he says he gets around the ice, he's a very efficient defenseman. Yeah. And, and you're not seeing a drop off. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for either a drop off or injury issues. He's had neither. So as long as he continues on this path, this is home for him. He's been, you know, a huge ambassador to us. He's the captain of the team. I Absolutely. It's a year by year thing. Uh, to me, it, it, it hinges on a couple things. Is Brandstrom or Haig or Bischoff or White Cloud or Coughlin, one of those guys ready to step into the Golden Knights lineup. And if one of them is ready, is Derek, you know, going to be comfortable with maybe not playing every night? And to me, you know, if Derek played 60 instead of 82, you might what get... What about just moving to the 5 What about fewer minutes? Whatever, yeah. whatever it is, you know what I mean? Because penalty just, kill, yeah, he's got to be there, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So just, you know, I, I don't want to say a reduced role. Um, but I guess it is a reduced role, and it, but because he's still very important. How about less that, prominent? There we there go. go. <laughs> Good word there, Dad. That's a word, Smith. Fine, because I still think he has lots to offer. Yeah, uh, Belmar, you know, Belmar. Same, you know, same another thing. Guy's same 34, thing. Same thing. Right? Like you're yep. talking about to me. Those are the. 
two, along with Flurry, biggest leaders of the team. Right. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the other guy, and we, we kind of touched on this on, on uh, TV, Gary, because it, it was timely, is Brandon Peary. Yeah. Right? Like, he's making the league minimum. He's making six fifty a year. You know, he's a guy that's shown he can score in the NHL before. All he does is score with the Golden Knights. It, how does it play out? You know, one of the big reasons he signed here is because he's because yeah. of his relationship. With I think this Long. is one of those things you see how he plays the rest of the year and try and lock him in. Yeah, I yeah. think you kind of you look at it and you sooner rather than later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if you if 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 uh, if McPhee put a three year deal on the table at a certain figure, a million bucks tomorrow, would he take it? Probably. Right, yep. you know what I mean. So I, I, I don't think you want to wait, uh, wait too long. I don't think, uh, but I think also you want to make sure that what you're, what you're paying for is what you're getting. Yeah, I think there's, st- there's still some hockey to be played. It's been all yep. great. It's a great story. He's played fantastic. Well He's said, found Jane. the back of the net, but. It's still a pretty small sample size. And Malcolm Subban, right? He's a guy that restricted free agent at the end of the year. Uh, We've just talked about how well he's played the last three starts. His numbers were really good last year when they needed them to be good. And he's bounced back. His numbers are coming after, you know, a very difficult where putting tough situations early in the year on the road, tough buildings, uh, with his team really not giving any goal support. So, uh, again, this is a guy you got to watch here the rest of the way. Because Flurry's uh, contract, the extension, kicks in next year. So he's 34, just turned 34 in November. But he comes off to me as a young 34, right? He's in great oh, shape. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's missed time, we know, with Doesn't injuries. Doesn't look like a goalie. Doesn't look, you know. I so... like the old school goalie. <laughs> Tim Thomas. Uh, that's right. Have a have a burger for the pregame meal. Did, when, when Shane turned oh. uh, had his last birthday, didn't someone say he he was a young thirty seven at the time, or did I have it that flip? Thirty seven. Oh, that's uh, well, a long time ago. That yeah. might be right. Yeah, maybe that's well, maybe that's what it was. You, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, I know the cake said thirty four, but I said, do I have these numbers flipped here? What's yes, like is it thirty four for, yes, uh, for the number? One of one of somebody said he does. He looks old for thirty four. Oh, but young for forty three. <laughs> that's what it was. That's what it was. Yes, thirty four. Oh boy, he looks awful for thirty four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> makeup, <laughs> makeup does wonders. We all know who looks awful for thirty four. Uh, that's great. <laughs> that is great. Well, the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Day podcast, coming to you from the Andiamo, the great uh, restaurant here at the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Golden Knights. And it's time now for our Twitter grab bag here on the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Day podcast, brought to you by the Foley Food and Wine Society. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate their three greatest passions world class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of their society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers exclusive memberships opportunities to like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Mailbag time, Dan. What do you got today? We got a few that we can sneak in here, Dave, at the end of the program. We've got a lot of great uh, questions, so we'll try to cover as many as we can. Let's start with what has probably been the most discussed Golden Knights issue of late. That's Brandon Peary. Here's the question from Richard Walker on Twitter. Does Peary get sent down again, or is he up for good now? Gary Lawless. Well, he's played seven games in the NHL this season. Ten is the number after he plays ten games or stays in the NHL for a, a month, like at, at one stay. 30 consecutive 30 days. 30 consecutive mm-hmm. days. Uh, then he would have to clear waivers. 
So it will depend on a number of things here. Will Carrier, uh, he's on the IR. How long does he stay? Uh, he stays at least for a week, right? It's retroactive to... Uh, to Saturday, I believe. Friday's so, game. Um, to Friday's game. So, you know, that would mean, to me, Peary is going to play in in the next two. We don't know Riley Smith's uh, availability right now. So um, if he gets to 10, yeah, he's staying. Uh, if he plays 8-9, which would sort of, that would give Valentin Zikoff almost another five days of practice with the Golden Knights, I think probably you might send... Peary back to the AHL so you could have a look at Zekoff, give him a little bit of a run, uh, and then make your decision at that point in time. Zekoff really effective. You're going to keep him, and you're going to wait, and you're going to recall Peary uh, at the trade deadline after the roster uh, limitations are gone. Something to that effect. Uh, I, I can't see how that happens. So if this isn't for good, this, this particular stint... It's coming very soon. So theoretically, he could play the next two home games, yep. send him back, yep. bring Zeke off on the road trip yep. to Chicago and Winnipeg, get a yep. look at him, and maybe a little longer look, and then take it from there. Yeah, I, you know, I think that their whole point right now is is they have time, and so they're going to use it. They, you have the George McPhee is looking at the the CBA rules and all these things, and he's, you know. Some people scratched their head when they sent Peary down a couple days ago. And just when you think you have too many forwards, you have two injured. You know, yeah, yeah. if he had have waived Oscar Lindbergh or Ryan Carpenter and lost one of those guys for nothing, and then you lose, exactly. then you lose Carrier and then you lose Smith, you're, you're like, why did he do that? This is why if you have the, the Kevin Shoveldayoff, the GM of the Jets, always said to me, if you have time, you use it. And I think it's a Lou Lamarillo expression, and maybe Lou got it from somewhere else, but it's one that if you have time to make a decision, you use it. And that's what McPhee is doing, and it's very wise. I just loved Brandon Peary going to the American League. First of all, his son's first birthday said that they had over 40 people at the house to celebrate the birthday the other day. He plays a couple games for the Chicago Wolves, where I'm sure he's welcome to town like a conquering hero, right? He's the league's leading scorer. He's going to be an all-star. And then Eric Brandstrom gets run in the game on Saturday. Somebody's got to drop the mitts. Brandon Peary drops the mitts in a game on Saturday. See, now I like him a little bit more. I already liked him. But now right. Imagine if, you, you know, Kelly McCrimmon watches all these games on his computer. And imagine if you're George McPhee and you walk in and, and there's Krim watching the game and you see Brandon Peary yeah. using his fists, his hands, for something other than scoring goals. You're on the phone right away to uh, Rocky Thompson. Don't let that happen. I need those mitts for something else. So I asked Brandon, when's the last time you did that? And he said, oh, I think sometimes time in New York. You know, that's that's a few years ago with yeah, the Rangers. Sure. And and his joke he said to me afterwards is as well, Alex Gallant, who is one of the tough guys yeah. for the, the Chicago Wolves, well he had already scored in the game. So he did my job. I had to do his job. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Right? That's good. Uh, so I, I love that from from Brandon Peary and, and just chatting with him about the group that's down there, the mix of younger guys. We talked about how they brought in time again, a veteran from the Manitoba Moose in the American League. Seems like a really interesting dynamic with that group, the talented younger players that the Knights have, the prospects plus the mix of the more veteran guys. I mean, that's a that's a first-place team there, too. Well, Don Levin, the owner of the Chicago Wolves, he's a, he's a partner of the Vegas Golden Knights and wants to develop players for them. 
but more important to him is winning the is winning the Calder Cup. That's what yeah. he's in business for. He sells tickets at the at the what's it called now? Is it the Allstate Arena? Used to be the Rosemont Horizon back in the day. Anyways, he sells those tickets based on a winning team, and right. uh, so that that's that's Wendell Young, their GM. That's his job: build a winner. All right, Dan. What else, where do you got next here? What's All it? right, let's go to uh, Joe Ellis. Joe asks, SLG and D, what are your thoughts on VGK submitting offer sheets this offseason to players on teams in a cap crunch? Mitch Marner and Timo Meyer come to mind. Okay, that's an interesting one. Gary, this is another category of, of for you. I say no. I'm going to say I, no. I don't see it happening, but... Well, I would say I would tell you this: the general manager will not do it. Uh, it's okay. uh, he. I think he was asked about it um, during the expansion uh, during that that time, and his res- response was, "I haven't done it in the past, and I don't plan on doing it in the future." We did have the owner on this very podcast one day. Oh yes, and he had explained to us that he used the CBA as light nighttime reading. So uh, <laughs> he might be a little more aggressive, and I, I don't think they do it. Here, no. I just I'm scared of the you're, you're yeah. signing that. This team to me is successful because they don't have that one guy that's making thirteen, fourteen million dollars a year. Yeah. You know what? You're better to have two, three guys. And I think that's been kind of the model and, and the reason for success here. So I also think that one of the things that the Golden Knights will try and do at the deadline is get the guy that they want to get in free agency, yeah. trade for him, and then sign him, extend him before July 1. Yeah. When's the last time an offer sheet was used? I can't even remember. Shea Weber, uh, uh, Dustin Penner, Penner, and then uh, there was one. There was an ill-fated one. uh, Brian Burke and uh, Uh, Kevin Lowe. Yeah, they were going to go into a into a barn. Was uh, (laughs) Berkey's suggestion? (laughs) Then there was another one. Jay Feaster did one in Calgary that went awry. Oh, um, he he didn't do it properly yes. by the league rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Got all screwed yeah, up. Yeah, I remember yeah. that a few. It years eventually ago. cost him his job. Yeah, it was part one of the reasons that uh, that he was. Uh, yeah, so it's it's not uh, it's not used that often, and because uh, of the price you pay. Well, right? the price you pay. So just so everyone understands, if they were to sign Mitch Marner to an offer sheet, and Toronto was then to say. Okay, we're not going to match. Uh, it would be a max offer, and I believe the max loss right now—it changes every year—is four first-round picks. So that you, so George McFeed have to hand. Now listen, if you're a young, if, if you're a young get, team you, in a struggling market that could bring a hometown boy. Yeah, you're talking about Austin Matthews Arizona. in Arizona. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Listen uh, to me, Mitch Marner is worth four first-round picks, but again, to Shane's line of thinking, do you want to pay one guy $13 million and then have do you want to have someone making $6 million a year more than Marc-Andre Fleury, who is your most important yeah, player? It just cracks the identity of the franchise, right? Really They've been I mean, the opposite of that. I think that's the one big benefit from starting yeah. like I said, a blank canvas like George McPhee did, is able to build it the right way where you didn't inherit fractured contracts or one that's so elevated and other that's I think they've got a real yeah. good blueprint. I don't see him paying anybody more than Flurry, right? right? You know, back in the old days, there was a, this artificial Ray Bork ceiling in Boston. <laughs> the, CBA, the, the NHLPA just starting t- next year, just, seven just million. jumped out of his seat over you here. You think so? Uh, well, they're going oh, yeah. to pay Absolutely. someone more than if seven have, if they have the oh. opportunity. Our Tommy Panarin or Mark Stone are, so? are, yes, are, that's, are, that's are hanging around on way. July one. Okay. Uh, those guys, yes, those are those guys, those dudes. those guys. Now we talk about. All right, then maybe you're right. But I don't. But I don't see them going. 
like ten million to me for one no. guy would be a bit of a push. Yeah, and you think about it down the line a few years from a Vegas standpoint, you've got these prospects we keep talking about. They're going to need contracts. Uh, These younger players, I mean, Alex Tuck, we talked about, he got a pretty team-friendly deal. I mean, Cody Glass in a few years, depending on he pans out, Brandstrom, Haig, you name it, you're going to have to have room for those guys. The reality it is, is all it takes is one agent to say, well, I don't care what you pay Marc-Andre Fleury. What's that got to do with my player? (laughs) And that guy's out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's four or five of them. Speaking of prospects, here is one from Kenny Pelize, who asks, which VGK prospects have a real chance on making the roster next year? And I might even say maybe at the end of this year. And then the next question is, uh, and thoughts on all VGK prospects during the World Junior Championships. Thanks, Kenny. Well, I thought, first off, I think, you know, the, the two that are going to come to Nick Hague and, and Brandstrom, those, those two defensemen, uh, will they have an opportunity? I think Nick Hague might be further along just because I don't, Brandstrom's a guy I have no problem. He's a little younger. Let him develop. Um, Brandstrom was great at World Juniors. Glass was great. I, Gary, you can probably speak more, but th- those are the two that really stick. But again, there's it's going to be a defenseman in my mind. Everything we've heard about Haig this year <clears throat> is how he's grown even more. We also heard good. All, that whole group down there, White right. Cloud, Bischoff, uh, Coglin, they've all played really well. So Well, they just traded. Yeah, Jimmy Olney. Had, yeah. They, they didn't <clears throat> have veteran defenseman. They, yeah, they, they didn't have they room, got, so yeah. they, they sent him to Manitoba, uh, Manitoba and that's Easy how time now. again got back well you jazz on new jersey yeah, that's uh, right uh yeah so that's that's an interesting possibility uh, not only for the end of this season right you i mean you've got you know the wiggle room of the roster with tryouts and and the rosters expanding later in the season it's a different thing in that category if somebody's just going to be called up and you give them a look versus making the roster out of camp next year that's two different questions in my eyes yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think that Haig and Branstrom, they might come together. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. might, be a, they might be a package deal. I think that uh, Haig's size, you know. He's more physically mature yeah. Yeah, for the NHL. You know I mean? he's, he's already and, there. And yeah. his skating has apparently, you know, I haven't seen him, but, you know, there was a time where you couldn't notice that he had a lot of body parts going in a lot of directions and he's really worked on becoming more efficient and someone who's a much better evaluator than me said you don't even notice it anymore you don't think about it right. so uh he's boy he can shoot it he's aggressive yeah. uh you know character and and, right and character and guy that's another reason why Derek england for another year to me like look what he's done with shea theodore and you right. want the guy to learn the right way and Derek Englund is, uh, you know, he's more from Shane's cut of cloth that played the game a certain way. He cross-checked someone on a on the penalty kill last night, and it was it was a thing of beauty. He just crumpled the guy, <laughs> and then and then turned around and grabbed the puck and threw it up the ice. Yeah. And and like I don't know if that's learned or if it's instinct, awesome. but it you know. If it's experience, but if he can pass some of that along to Nick Hague. It's a great point, Gary. You know, that's, yeah, that's something you want to see. It's a great point. Yeah. Let's go to the next question, and here is from hashtag Vegas Strong. That's a great uh, Twitter name. What is or what are players' reactions uh, and organizations when you go places like Los Angeles, Anaheim, and Arizona? Half of the arena is Vegas fans. To me, it validates this as a major sports town. Now, it's a good question. First of all, it's usually not half, half of the arena, but there is a vocal 
presence of Golden Knights fans in those places we just listed. And you hear it during warm-ups. Uh, you hear it from people in the press box that are reacting to, wow, we don't normally see this. Hear it during a certain spot on the National Anthem. National Anthem yeah, is my yeah. barometer. Like, I yeah. make a point on the road to listen to the Star-Spangled Banner, to hear how loud night gets chanted yeah. at that part in the song. How could they not love it? I mean, oh. you know, for a franchise that's been playing games for a year and a half, and, we, you know, we saw fans, same thing. Hotel in Anaheim, hotel in Arizona, the hotel in L.A., right? Yeah. You know, and if you can do it, five hours, four hours, whatever, fly, whatever your mode of transportation is, um, I think it's fantastic. I like it when we see them in Canada. And there's not, there's usually not as big a group, but, like, two guys I know, they're like, well, we're going to the game in Winnipeg. I'm like, you know, it's January. And they go, we, we, <laughs> we, we don't care. We want to go and experience what yeah. Hockey, and it's because yeah. they're becoming fans. They're becoming like they they want to know what what do the purists do? What's it like to go see there? They yeah. want to compare their own experience. And I get news for them, and the experience in Winnipeg is one of the best. They're going to find out that the experience they get here in Vegas is second to none. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder this because we saw a lot of fans in New York at the Islanders, Devils, and Rangers games. How many of the folks there are traveling from Las Vegas, or how many of those people live in that region and have become Golden Knights yeah. fans? And it's a combination. Yeah. yeah, I mean, of course, in Anaheim, Vegas, Arizona, Anaheim, you've got a lot of people traveling from uh, Vegas to those parts. Uh, interesting, and we look forward to many more in uh, coming days. Last question, guys. This is from Jen Young. Maybe this should be directed at the Public Relations Department. <laughs> Who's SLGND Troop, and where do we hear the podcast? <laughs> troop. We're the Troop. We are the Troop, and apparently troop, troop 43. Now, uh, about 30 episodes <laughs> into the show, like we're, we're attracting new followers. Oh, that's good. You hear it on the, the iTunes. So, so Jen, you hear it. SoundCloud. Yeah, that's right. All SoundCloud, iTunes. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's all over the Spotify we're now. We're on Spotify now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got all that it's stuff It's everywhere. Uh, and in addition, there is a podcast page on the Golden Knights website. Ooh. So there's no excuse not to listen. No excuse. Yeah. And, there's multiple options. And uh, S stands for Sheriff. L stands for, <laughs> for for Gary Lawless. Some guy named Dave is Dave Gosher. Dave. And then there's uh, your humble uh, radio play-by-play well, play guy, Dan Duke. I just want to say, all right, the, because you're as big a part who, of the podcast. Yeah, but who came up if, with the name, Dave? Do you remember? more than... Uh, Wait, did, what was, did you come up with this Can I please thing? explain? All this right. is Gary's name, <laughs> so yeah. Right, it's his on. fault, Dan. Dan, Dan is I as much a part, part of the of podcast, it. if not more, when... The day that we announced that uh, we were hiring these jabronis, yeah, what a day! Dan was not quite completed yet, and it's holding out for more and, money. I'm and sure. I was, right? I was trying to convince uh, our our boss that we should do a podcast, and then and he was kind of warming up to the idea, and then said, "Well, what are we going to call it?" And uh, and I, well, Sheriff, it's a great nickname, Sheriff and Lawless. They kind of mix together. And then and I said and I just sort of said Sheriff Lawless and and some guy named Dave, kind of off the top of my head. And he smiled and said, "Well, that's fantastic." And uh, and that was it. Like it, we never even gave any more thought to it. So um, first we diss Dave, yep. and then we we skip you all together. We got to do like go. the credits of a movie with special <laughs> guest Dan Duva. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like Martin Sheen right, right, at the end of the West Wing credits. Yes, right. If I yes, could be Martin uh, Sheen, that's exactly. right. And the good news, Dave, Dan also begins with a D. Oh, there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> we don't have T-shirts. We don't have any garb. So we have to. Dave get disappears at some point. That's right. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. Was it but, uh, that's what we should. We should get like the Napoleon uh, uh, dynamite T-shirt with the guy. It's like the 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 the. the, the 
the silhouette of his face, yeah. and then that, and then so it'll be Dan's face, of Dan's grill, and then we'll have right. hashtag SLGN with the beard we'll profile, That'd be fantastic. profile with the Roman beak, That'd perfect, be outstanding. So, um, uh, games this week, like four, what, what we got? A couple more at home. We got four games coming up. Sharks, and then on yep. the road. Chicago, so on the radio, Dan and Gary get it done. Uh, Ninety-eight point nine FM. Sure. And one other final note on the TV side of it. There's going to be a new location for the home broadcast Ooh. at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, if you're around Section 16, tomorrow night, you know, you would know where the Bud Light Lounge is. Uh, there might be a couple of guys that look remarkably like Shane and Dave that are going to be broadcasting games. Not from the lounge, but right in front of the lounge. It's well, maybe be, uh, in from the lounge. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> depends how the game goes. It might be from the lounge. Oh, it'll be the best broadcast be location awesome. in the league. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So big thanks to everybody that put the work in to get us down there. And uh, that'll start tomorrow night. So uh, we thank you, as always, for tuning in. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, come to you from the great Andiamo restaurant at the D Hotel, downtown Las Vegas. We'll talk to you next time.